Good morning. I hope you're excited for that to be stuck in your head all summer. I know I am. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Nathan Miske. I'm a vicar here at Christ Church, which is a fancy way of saying pastor in training. And want to welcome you once again to Christ Church. We're a church about lifting lives, elevating Christ, a church for those who aren't here yet. And we're so excited that you chose to spend part of your Sunday here with us at Christ Church. We hope you keep coming back, keep experiencing the incredible ways God can impact your life. As I'm sure you heard, we are starting a new message series, Happy Trails, uh, which is going to take a look at these stories from Paul's missionary journey. So we're going to take a look in a little bit about what all that entails, but this uh, this series is going to take us through the end of the summer. So we're gonna we're gonna be uh, preaching a lot of messages on this topic in this series, Happy Trails, and it's gonna be really cool because as Paul travels on these missionary journeys, he goes to different places, different cities, and different things take place in these cities. And so along this journey, we can draw different different events, different topics, and see how that can influence our lives and what we can draw out of it and how we can live as a result of what we read out of the scripture here. Now these journeys primarily come to us out of the book of Acts, or more longer known as the book of Acts of the Apostles. It primarily comes to us out of that book, but uh, there's also some other places in Scripture where we find out about these missionary journeys. Paul wasn't just someone who was a character in these stories, uh, but he was also one of the most prolific authors of the Bible. He is attributed to write 13 books of the New Testament, 13 letters. A lot of them, what would happen is he'd travel on these uh, journeys to some of these places, like Galatia, for example, and then later come back and write a letter to the people in Galatia, the Galatians, and thus we have the book of Galatians. So when we get to that time, the book of Galatians might help, uh, help us understand what's happening there better. But today we're really just going to focus in on the book of Acts. Now Acts of the Apostles, Acts, uh, is the story of the spread of the early church. That's what the book of Acts is. And uh, uh, we have what happened before during the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, and then beyond that became the story of the spread of the early church. So the first four books of the New Testament are the Gospels. They're Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these first-hand eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But then the fifth book of the New Testament is the book of Acts. So it's kind of the what takes place next. And you can also describe Acts as the Gospel of Luke part two, because the Gospel of Luke was written by Luke, and so was the book of Acts. And he even says, in my first book, I told you Theophilus, meaning that this is kind of the sequel to his first book that he also wrote to Theophilus, the first book being the Gospel of Luke, which he also dedicated to this person, Theophilus. Now, who is Theophilus? Well, we don't really know. Uh, there's a couple options. The name Theophilus means lover of God. So first option, most simple option is it's just some guy named Theophilus. That's a possibility. Another possibility is that it is a kind of a pseudonym. Someone who, uh, who Luke uh, wanted to refer to as a lover of God. This could have been someone important, someone not. We don't really know. Uh, but it could have been someone who wasn't actually named that, but he referred to him as a lover of God. Or uh, it could just be to all lovers of God. Here, all of you people who are believers, here's the story of how the early church spread. How it went from the people who were directly influenced by Jesus and who heard from Jesus, and then how those people took the gospel and spread it to thousands of people by the end of the book of Acts, which eventually led to the billions of Christians we have today. Now, in the book of Acts, the second half of the book of Acts really focuses in on Paul's missionary journey. So that's where we're going to focus our attention during, uh, during this series. But Paul's missionary journeys, to understand them, 
kind of understand who Paul is. Uh, and Paul also had another name, Saul. So Saul and Paul, whichever one you hear today, going to be used interchangeably because the text kind of uses them interchangeably, uh, is the same person in this case. There's a King Saul in the Old Testament, different guy, uh, but this is Saul and Paul, what you hear today, going to be the same person. Now, some some of you may have heard, many of you have probably heard from some well-intentioned Christians that Saul and Paul, uh, Saul changed his name to Paul after he became a believer. So the story is Saul was not a believer, became a believer, and then changed his name to Paul. And while parts of that are correct, uh, overall that's not exactly what took place. Uh, but that does happen in the Bible. Things like that do happen in the Bible. You see it in the book of Genesis a few times. Abraham and Abram and Sarai encounter God and change the name to Abraham and Sarah, and then Jacob changes his name to Israel after encountering God. That is something that happens, but that's not what happens in this case. In this case, they are living in just a multicultural area. They're in the Roman Empire, which is kind of this Latin world, Rome, Latin, but uh, it's also kind of a Greek speaking at this point. They've been incredibly influenced by the Greeks who came before them. Uh, so they speak a lot of Greek and, and write in Greek. And in fact, the New Testament, the book of Acts itself, was originally written in Greek. We have these great English translations, which allow us to easily access the Bible, but they were originally written in Greek. And so because of that, Paul is a Greek name. And so when Paul is hanging out with Greek people, uh, with people in the Roman Empire, he's probably going to refer to himself as Paul. But Many of these people, including Jesus and many of his followers and Paul himself, were Jewish. And so he probably, when he was hanging out with the Jewish people, used the name Saul. And these Jewish people uh, would speak in Aramaic. Jesus probably spoke Aramaic. Paul, Saul, probably when he was speaking to Jewish people, spoke in Aramaic. Aramaic is related to Hebrew, but not quite Hebrew. Uh, similar languages there. And so there's other languages and cultures at play here, but those are the two we're going to focus on, kind of the Aramaic-speaking Jewish people and the Greek-influenced uh, Roman Empire. And so Saul and Paul is not... <laughs> It's just two different names for the same guy. Saul and Paul. He did not change his name. Just when he's hanging out with Greek people, goes by Paul. When he's hanging out with Jewish people, goes by Saul. But Saul, Paul, uh, is both a devout Pharisee and a Roman citizen. So because of this, he's going to spend time with both people quite a bit. And this is really cool, too, because it makes him uniquely qualified to do what he is able to do. Paul was this devout Pharisee, but he is the person most responsible for giving the gospel and making believers out of the Gentile people, out of the people who were not Jewish. So without Paul, probably most of us in this room would not be Christians, right? Maybe God would have made a different way, Jesus would have made a different way, certainly. But story, the history we have is without Paul, we probably wouldn't be Christians unless you're Jewish the gospel might not have reached you because Paul was so responsible for spreading the gospel to the Gentile people. And he was this devout Pharisee, and he was this Roman citizen. And he says himself at the end of the book of Acts, Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Kalikia. This would be in like modern-day Turkey, if you know where that is. And I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a Pharisee, a Jewish rabbi. He would have been someone of great influence, uh, someone who was respected, someone people would have known the name of, which is why Paul includes it here. As a student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. 
Paul wasn't just a regular Jewish person. No, he was a Pharisee. He was someone trained in the law and teaching others the law and was very zealous about it. He wanted other people to be Jewish and just as sold out for Judaism as he was, as a Pharisee. And if you remember the Gospels, Luke and the other ones, you might remember that Jesus spends a lot of time in them getting angry at the Pharisees because the Pharisees were this group of devout Jewish people who really wanted to uphold the law but they also added traditions on top of the law and, and kind of flew too close to following the letter of the law much more than the heart behind the law so although they were really intent on following the letter of the law it resulted in them not loving people as they were really called to do they found the letter of the law above the heart of the law. And so Jesus was often so angry about this because they weren't loving people. Not only this, though, Jesus went around calling himself God because he was, and the Pharisees did not like this because they had their God, and they did not understand the Trinity. They did not understand that their God was Jesus. They didn't get that. And so because of that, they thought Jesus was blasphemous, and so eventually they had him killed. And this continued in that they continued to persecute Christians, other people who called Jesus God, and had them killed too. There's a story of Stephen. We're not going to have time to get into it today, but he was a martyr uh, in early Christianity. You can read more about it in Acts 7 and 8. But Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Saul, Paul, wasn't just a Pharisee and a Roman citizen, but he was someone who persecuted Christians and wanted to have them dead. The next chapter, a different story. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. He was on this mission to persecute Christians and have them killed. Right, so this Saul, Paul, was this great persecutor of Christians. So how did he become such a great influence on Christianity? Someone who wrote 13 books of the Bible and someone who spread the gospel to the Gentiles. Well, he encountered Jesus. And when he did, he was converted to Christianity. The story goes, and this is just two verses later after he's muttering under his breath about killing, wanting to kill Christians. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, mission to kill Christians, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Paul is walking along and he encounters Jesus. And Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He was blinded when he encountered Jesus. And this is going to come into play when we get to the story from Paul's missionary journey that we're looking at today. So keep it in mind, but he was blinded in this. Another story we don't have time to get into today is Jesus uh, went and found this believer Ananias and sent him to go and help Paul. And so Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Paul, Saul, was this great persecutor of Christians. And he went around trying to kill them. But when he encountered Jesus, he was blinded. But when he was influenced by Jesus himself and influenced by Ananias, scales fell from his eyes. He was able to see again. And he believed in God. But his belief wasn't just personal. He didn't just keep it to himself. No, he immediately began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. 
Paul was this great protector of Judaism and trying to keep them safe in his mind from the blasphemous Christians who are going around calling someone else God. And after he encounters Jesus himself, he goes around to Jewish people and tells them about Jesus and gets them to believe in Jesus too. This is Paul. And Paul ends up going on these missionary journeys, and this is where our series, Happy Trails, is really going to dive in into these missionary journeys. The first missionary journey, he goes on with a couple of other believers, one of them being Barnabas. Barnabas uh, was a believer, uh, and he's from Cyprus, where the story we're taking place is uh, we're going to go to Cyprus today on our own journey through these happy trails. Um, So Barnabas is on this journey, and then John Mark is as well. John Mark was probably Mark the Evangelist, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. So these are some really important people in early church history as well that are on this missionary journey. And so Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. Now here's a map. If you love maps like me, this might help understand kind of what's happening in this story to give you a sense of where we are in the world. This is Cyprus. It's an island in the Mediterranean. We're kind of in the far east end of the Mediterranean. Up here would be modern-day Turkey. Tarsus is where Paul is originally from uh, in that modern-day Turkey. Over here, we kind of have modern-day Syria, Lebanon, and then Israel below there just to the south. So that's where Jesus would have spent a lot of his time in Nazareth. Uh, and then south of that would be Jerusalem as well. But Paul, Barnabas, John Mark, they start off their journey in Antioch, which was kind of home base for a lot of these missionary journeys. It's it's a place where there was an early church that was really important in the early church. So they started there, headed off to Seleucia, the seaport, made their way to Cyprus, and then we're going to spend time on Cyprus there in Salamis, and then they make their way to Paphos. Paphos is where the meat of the story we're looking at today takes place. There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Once again, they're going to the Jewish people, the people Paul was trying to protect from Christianity. He's now trying to turn them into Christians. But Paul doesn't just stop with the Jewish people. He goes to the Gentiles too and ends up going to a very important Gentile person, as we'll see in a moment here. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Now, as you're reading this, some red flags begin to emerge. First of all, the phrase Jewish sorcerer. Those are two words that really shouldn't go together. Jewish people, not fans of sorcerers. Uh, They're doing things that the Jewish people would very much be against. And he's not just a Jewish sorcerer. Luke, make sure we understand that this man is a false prophet. He's someone who is speaking on behalf of God, but doing so without actually knowing what God is saying, and so doing so with an improper agenda. And his name was Bar-Jesus. This is another red flag. I'm sure you recognize at least part of the name Jesus. But Bar-Jesus would have been an Aramaic name meaning son of Jesus. Bar meaning son, son of Jesus. Or if you translate Jesus as well, it would be son of Savior. So he is going around calling himself son of Jesus, son of the Savior. And he's a false prophet and he's trying to influence people, and he's trying to influence people for his own gain, and so doing so, he had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus. 
Bar Jesus goes around being trying to influence people, so he goes to the person with the most influence there is, the governor, Sergius Paulus. Sergius Paulus was an incredibly Greek name, uh, is someone who was the governor of the island of Cyprus, meaning he was still under the authority of the Roman Empire. Cyprus is in the Roman Empire, and he is governing there on behalf of the Roman Empire. But on the island itself, Sergius Paulus would have been the man in charge. And so Bar-Jesus attaches himself to this man. And Sergius Paulus was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him for he wanted to hear the word of God. Sergius Paulus, although he's being influenced by Bar-Jesus, doesn't want to stop there. He wants to be influenced by these guys, Saul and Barnabas, who he's probably heard about going around on his island telling people about Jesus. And he wants to hear the word of God for himself. So he invites them over. But he, they're going to give him the actual word of God. And so Bar-Jesus has a problem with this. And goes on to say, but Elimus, who is Bar-Jesus, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Paul and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Elimus is just a, a different name, kind of like Paul and Saul. He just has two names, Elimus and Bar-Jesus. But this one means sorcerer. And so Bar-Jesus is urging the governor not to pay attention to these actual people speaking on behalf of God. Instead, continue to listen to his own bad influence on his life. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the sorcerer in the eye, and he goes on to deliver my favorite insult in the Bible, which is, then he said, "'You son of the devil!' full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Remember, Bar-Jesus is going around calling himself son of Jesus, son of the Savior. And Paul says, you son of the devil. You're not a son of what is good. You're not a son of Jesus. You're a son of the devil. You're a son of evil. You're going around corrupting what is good, pointing people away from God, perverting the true ways of the Lord. Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. And remember, this is Paul telling this man, you will be struck blind for leading people away from God, for trying to keep, prevent people from becoming Christians. Paul knows what he's talking about when he says you'll be struck blind because he was once struck blind because he pointed people away from Jesus and prevented people from becoming Christians. So when he says this, he understands intimately what he is saying. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly mist and darkness came over the man's eyes and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor, Sergius Paulus, saw what had happened, he became a believer. He was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Despite the bad influence on Sergius Paul's life of Bar-Jesus, he went out and sought a good influence in Paul and Barnabas and wanted to make sure that he heard the real word of God. He wanted to make sure he was listening to the right people. And we can learn something from this. We can learn that it is important to be influenced and listen to the right people. So the question I have for you this morning, church, is who are you listening to? Who are the people that you are allowing to influence your life and influence your faith? Are there people that sometimes you feel like when you go and hang out with them, you don't always like the person you sometimes become? Right? Every time you go and hang out with this group of people, it's like, ah, every time I go and hang out with them, they... 
they gossip and I buy into that and I start gossiping a little more. Or I start acting foolishly and doing things I otherwise wouldn't do. Or, that, or maybe you're uh, hanging out with people who, you know, they're always, they're always debating politics and arguing things and, and just things that I don't want to get sucked into, but I fall victim to it when I'm being influenced by them. I'm being influenced by people who are pointing me away from living a life of faith. Or are you ever listening to people who are pointing you towards Jesus? Are you spending time with people who will point you more towards God, who will help you live a better life of faith? And it's not just who you're listening to, but what are you listening to? What are you being influenced by? Right? What kind of music are you listening to? Is it pointing you towards or away God, from God? What kind of movies are you watching, TV shows? What are you spending your time doing? Is, what is it influencing you towards? Are you spending time mindlessly scrolling through social media and, and just spending that time being influenced by the ways of the world further and further away from God? Are you watching cable news and getting, getting all riled up by the arguments and the debates that happen? And then you go out and try to talk to people, but you realize I'm so much more argumentative than I want to be because of what I've been influenced by. Or you spend on social, time on social media and you're all riled up on politics and you start trying to debate people on Facebook about politics and trying to win a debate. Spoiler alert, you're never going to win a debate on Facebook. It's literally never happened. No one's ever done it. But are we being influenced by those things? Or are we listening to other influences in our life that can help point us to Jesus? Now, we have to be careful here. Right? There is a fine line that exists. We don't want to spend all our time in this Christian bubble and only hang out with Christians and only listen to Christian music and watch Christian movies and only spend time with Christians and never know about the rest of the world and never spend time interacting with non-believers because if we do that, you know what happens? These people never hear about Jesus and they can never themselves become believers. And so it is important for us to spend time in the world with non-believers but when we do so, we have to make sure that we are the ones influencing them to become Christians, to live a better life of faith, and not the other way around. So what does this look like? How do we practically do this? Well, we do so by surrounding ourselves with people who will build up your faith. First step in this I think is coming to church, spending time in worship. So whether you're in the room with us, whether you're joining us online, you did it. Step one. Congrats. You are surrounding yourself with people and influences who will build up your faith. But it goes beyond just that. You can spend time, too, with people from Christ Church by joining a small group, by getting to spend time with these people who are intentionally trying to build up your faith. And you can help build up their faith, too. And you can talk about life together. And so when times are going well, you can encourage each other with great stories. But when times are going hard, when tough things happen... They can point you to Christ and build up your faith in the midst of the hardships. And you can do the same for them too. So get involved in a small group. Help them influence your faith. Spend time serving people. When you serve people, uh, you, you are able to influence your faith um, and help build up others' faith too. 
And what's amazing is the different volunteers I hear from around Christchurch, when they talk about how great it is to serve people and the community they built and their teams of, of the people who have served people, whether they're doing tech, whether they're back in the kids area, whether they're some of my youth leaders, whoever it is, they've built these great communities uh, of people that kind of serve as a small group too. So they're getting the service and this community of people influencing them and building up their faith. Right? Those are all great things. It's spending time with people who are building up your faith and spending time doing things that'll build up your faith too. So instead of just mindlessly scrolling through social media or mindlessly watching TV, spend some of that time praying, being influenced by God himself. Spend it being influenced by God himself and the words that he's written for us in scripture by reading our Bibles. Maybe, maybe get a devotional and go through that. Those are wonderful tools to help build up our faith. Maybe spend some time going on YouTube and listening to some worship music or going on our website and watching previous sermons to help build up your faith. It's great to come to church and have this one hour a week where you are so immersed in building up your faith. That's wonderful. But the other, I believe, 167 hours in a week, what are you being influenced by? Is it, is it people who will build up your faith or people who will point you away from Christ? So the challenge is to surround yourself with people who will build up your faith. Surround yourselves with things that will build up your faith. Do things that will help you to build up your faith so that when, not if, but when you go into the world and spend time with non-believers, you can influence them to being believers too. So that's the challenge I have for you. Surround yourself with people and things that will build up your faith so that you can go out into the world and make more believers build up other people's faith too. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you uh, for today. We thank you that we are able to gather together as a group of believers and be able to influence each other so that we can build up our faiths. God, help point out the areas in our lives that we are being influenced by, whether it's people, whether it's things. Help us to see those clearly so that we can lean more into the places that can help build up our faith and point us more towards you and help the places that are being negative influences on us, that are pointing us away from you, that are influencing us to do things and live lives that aren't as you've called us to. Help to make those clear too so we can learn how to cut those out and manage them better. But God, help us come to understand, help us to strike the balance of how how to strike that balance of spending time with believers so that they can build up our faith, but also going out into the world and spending time with nine believers so we can build their faith too. Help us to see clearly how to do that. God, we also know that in this world, there are hard things that happen. There's pain, there's suffering, there's loss. In those moments, God, help us to be surrounded by people that will point us to you and build up our faith even in the midst of the hardest times. Jesus, we're so thankful that we are able to study your word, that we're able to go on these journeys with Paul and learn from them, help the lessons we get throughout this series to have real tangible impact on our lives, help it to build up our faith and help us use that to go out and build up the faith the lives of those people around us too. God, we love you. We praise you. 
I pray these things in your name. Amen.